Bonjour, bonjour, and welcome to another episode of Everyone Hates Marketers.com, the No Fluff Actionable Marketing Podcast for people sick of shady, aggressive marketing. I'm your host, Louis Cognier. In today's episode, you will learn how to implement wider society issues like Black Lives Matter within your campaigns and come across as authentic, which is not an easy feat. And my guest today is an award-winning businesswoman, international keynote speaker, creative brand strategist with 17 years of experience. She's the founder of Black Woman in Tech. She has a podcast as well called the Brain Tech Talk Podcast. She's a guest brand specialist for the BBC, was a guest marketing strategy lecturer at Goldman Sachs University. I mean, her CV is absolutely gigantic and I haven't even finished the intro. Uh, she mentors at London Metropolitan University, was named the most influential businesswoman by LinkedIn. She has a creative branding and marketing agency that is extremely popular, winning many, many awards, and also has experience spanning multiple countries and continents, which is really interesting for the topic we're going to talk about right now. Flavilla Fongong, welcome. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. And it's a subject yes, I really yes. like as well. So I'm glad we're doing this. I think it's important and super relevant. And let, let's like let's talk about the elephant in the room, right? I'm a white mm -hmm. dude working in tech with a beard in my 30s. When we talk about, we're recording this episode in 2020 at, at the minute, something that's been really rising up as a topic is kind of, you know, Black Lives Matter. And I, I don't think there's a better, I wouldn't say a better time. I don't know if it's the right way to say it, but I don't mm -hmm. think there's a more, you know, important time, time to, to talk about it than now. And I'm not the best person to talk about it. And that's why you're here, because you have expertise that I don't. And so I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one struggling with this, which is, they are bigger stuff than our brands. You know, we like to think people holding brands and managing brands that brands are so fucking important in people's life, right? That everyone thinks of brands all day, every day, but that's not the truth far from it, right? People don't care about brands, they care about themselves. And so we try to embed ourselves into bigger society issues too, to make our brand seem important. How do we, wh why, why do you think first, uh, why do you think brands tend to do this? Why do you think brands like to to think beyond just what they offer as a product and touch on society issues like Black Lives Matter? I think it's very simple. And, you know, as you said before, it's, you know, it's a bad time. It's been, I think the problem is that people understand, or marketers or marketers or, or brands, should I say, really think about society issues as trends. And that's the biggest mistake that they make, first of all. If you look at it, oh, it's an opportunity for us to talk about our brands and use the fact that it's a hot topic to be there and be seen, that's probably I think start going wrong. And it's really annoying. I think people, you know, with the um, whole situation, as I said, we're recording this in 2020, where we've been dealing with a lot of things within pandemic and we had the Black Lives Matter. It was really hard for a black person. As you know, I'm a, I'm a black person. So not only had to deal with you know, the situation of the pandemic, but I had to deal with the emotional element behind that, which is really hard. And when you see brands are using it, and you know, at some point, you know, on Instagram, we had all sort of, you know, the black, you know, the black posts that all these brands were posting. And you can say, what actually have you done? Listen for a minute. Like I said, what have you done further than just copying what everything is everybody's doing? But what have you done? And and that's what really annoys me the most. And <laughs> you know, the fact that we're both French and I think we're super direct in our approach of saying things. And I'm I'm on Twitter and I'm calling out people and I'm saying this is not right. So and, and I go to companies directly and tell them like this is not how I should do it. You know, sometimes I actually have to tell my clients as well, like, don't do this. Take this off. I said, take this off. You are doing it the wrong way. It's not about your brand promotion. So you're saying something super interesting that I hadn't thought about before necessarily, which is don't treat those society issues as trends, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like another trend with fucking, you know, the fidget spinner three years ago or four years ago. Or, you know, 
it's not in the same level, right? And so if you shouldn't treat them as trends that come and go, how should you kind of consider them internally? Like, how should you define them? Like you mentioned society issues. Is, w w would it be the, the, the way you would, you would yes. recommend brands to think about it? That's a very good question. So I'm going to ask you to, to challenge you to think differently and anybody who's listening to this. So think about the brand that you love. Do you like them because of what they do or do you like them because of what you don't expect from them? The brand that you really love, not just, hey, okay. If you really think about that first question, that's really where you you stand and you can really make a difference. So the great brands that people love the most are the ones that actually understand that they can make an impact that goes beyond just selling their products or services. They say, we are now in a position where you know, we are, we can, we can influence others to think bigger than just trying to sell, you know, to sell a pair of shoes or, or trying to sell another dress. They understand that they can do more. And that's where, when you choose to align your brands with society issues, you don't really focus on your marketing KPIs. You focus on impact KPIs. And that comes back to, you know, if you think about it, if you think about brands, you know, who say, hey, we're going to now, you know, Black Lives Matter, matter to us now. Look on your inside, you know, what's going on in, inside your company? What have you done to really figure out in terms of how we're supporting, how we're actually providing, um, you know, equality for people who come from different backgrounds? And that's where it should start. It always starts from within. So you mentioned impact APIs. What does that mean? Just give me an example of what an yes. impact API could be. In back KPIs can be, for example, and it's really, I think that's probably why it's even harder to measure because most KPIs are, you know, are quantifiable. With impact KPIs, it's really how you see people who, you know, probably will message you and say, this is how your brand has helped me to change. This is how your brand wake me up to say, I'm going to do something with my life. These are what we call impact KPIs. This is why we decided to wake up and do something and go out there and start picking up trashes, you know, in the city. You know, this is what impact KPIs. This is why we decided to stop buying from this brand. This is how we decided to create this community. And that's why, you know, if you are a global brand, sometimes, you know, you might not be able to understand that. And that's important to really think about it. And that's why it gets really confusing. Oh, we're going to we're gonna create a new bag. I'm going to make it all rainbow and then sell it and keep the money for ourselves. Well, not really. If you do this, give that money to a charity, give to money to a company that probably support that. That's what impact KPIs is. How actually you're changing and impacting on someone's, on other people's life. And that's where it's, it becomes authentic and not just an appropriation. So it's the number of people, uh, the number of lives you touch, the number yeah. of change, the number of people who are changing thanks to you. And, and the change doesn't have to be a drastic change. It could be a small change from deciding that actually part of my identity now is going to be to pick up trash instead of just fucking not doing anything about it. Like yeah. those, that's what we're talking about, yeah? Yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about. And I think people think, oh my gosh, I, I don't have a budget. I'm not a big brand. Nobody's asking you to do it on a global scale. You know, you can start doing it as if from your com small community and then grow as, as you know, grow as you, you grow as well with your impact. But it doesn't have to be huge. Just means that you can start. And if I look at, for example, myself as, in, as I run an agency, I didn't have to create a, a, a network for black women in tech because when I started working in technology, <laughs> I looked around me. I know I, st I, st I stood out. I was the only one there. And that really annoyed me. Because I don't believe that it's possible. I don't believe there's only one. I'm the only person. And, you know, what I've done, and I think that's something super powerful, is went to the biggest person in, in, who can influence me to, who can influence people to change as well. And that's why allies as well are important. So you can't just, you know, do everything by yourself. And it's important to really think about how, you know, you can, you know, you can change, you know, as a brand, you can do more than just 
offering services, you can make an impact. And that's why the biggest brand, you know, if you heard about things that, you know, start with why and, you know, from Simon Sinek and all these people, it's very simple. And I always say to clients, why do you want to do this? What does it mean? Ask yourself a question. If it is just about getting, you know, increasing your turnover, but what does it mean if you're actually still producing a number of plastic? What do we have after that? You know, and yeah. I think that, especially for Generation Z, Z, Z or whatever we say it, they are looking for that more and more and they have the biggest, you know, they are becoming more and more powerful. <laughs> We've seen it. Yeah, because they are aging and obviously they're starting to get jobs and they have a buying power now that can influence brands. One example that comes to mind to, to move away from just Black Lives Matter. That's one yeah. example of a massive society issue, but climate change is, is, is a fucking yeah. humongous one. One, for example, you mentioned Simon Sinek, start with why. One that annoys me a lot is Coca-Cola, right? Massive, yeah. biggest fucking brand in the world. Their yeah. purpose, I'm actually going to Google it just briefly because it's so bullshit that I want to... Happiness in the bottle. Is that what they say? <laughs> Our purpose is to refresh the world, to make a difference. Our vision is to craft the brands and choice of drinks that people love to refresh them in body and spirit and done in ways, that's the most important, done in ways that create a more sustainable business and a better shared future that makes a difference in people's lives, communities, and our planet. And to me, that's the biggest issue that I see with those brands, with a huge fucking purpose. As soon as you dry, look into what they do in detail, it doesn't align. I mean, yeah. Coca-Cola is one of the biggest polluters in the world by a long, long mile. And yet their purpose is to fucking commit, make a difference to, to our planet. So what do you... I guess you... Before, before I move on to the how to do this, how do you do it as a brand? I just want to come back to something you said, which is the, I tell my clients to stop doing this, don't do that, don't do that. What do you think are the biggest, maybe the top two mistakes you see brands do when it comes to, to society issues? So you mentioned one, which is to treat it as a trend. What else you know, do they do wrong yes, in your opinion? Yes. I think the, the, top, the top one is definitely to do it as a, to, to do it as a trend and lo not start from me, from the inside. So you can't just go out there and follow everything that I think every, it's just a problem is that a lot of companies act as sheep. Okay. If somebody's talking about that, I feel like we need to talk about it as well, but you don't have to be involved in every single society issues. You don't think that your customer actually care about it. <laughs> if it doesn't make sense and it doesn't have to be something that you also have to voice out to the world. You can decide to make a change and only keep it as an internal or internal communication. It doesn't have to be something that everybody needs to know about it. You know, a lot of brands out there, you know, fantastic thing about, you know, accounting businesses. Do they have to talk about Black Lives Matter? No, but they can look in terms of how they can change it internally. And that's enough because part of your brand is not just your customers. Part of your brand is every single stakeholder. So your employees and everybody else, your investors and so forth. So it's not just one element of what you do is, you know, if you want to talk about a subject, first of all, be authentic about it you know don't just stop and then move to the next one <laughs> you know choose one be be consistent with it it's like i'm going to choose to talk about that and that's it that's what we're going to we're going to talk about and then start from the inside so annoying i love that so i i love that because i think the herd mentality is really at play there like you know just to get, again talk at the example of black like black lives matter with the terrible event that happened and that's still happening in the u.s mainly but everywhere else, almost every brand started to look at their competitors and say, oh shit, they're posting this, we must do something. Some decided to do a blackout, like they don't actually mention it, post anything on social media, blah, blah. Your advice is really, hold on a second, you have to say anything. You don't have to, if you're selling soap, or if you're selling, as you said, accounting services, whatever, do you actually have to talk about it openly? And I, I very much like that because there was so much noise from people saying, 
actually, we are not going to talk about it. We're going to let others do it, like the blackout thing, that it actually did the opposite effect. Mm -hmm. Everyone was talking about not talking about it, which anyway. Okay, so big problems, treating it as, uh, as a trend, and, and secondly, trying to jump on all the you know, the bandwagon possible every time you yes. see a new thing, oh shit, we need to talk about it. Too big a mistake. Now mm -hmm. let's say I come to you, I own a brand, you you work mostly in the tech sector. So let's just consider, I mean, a tech company in tech. We have decent money, but we're not a massive company either. And we want to know how to treat and how to deal with society issues. You know, we want to know how to do it properly in the future. You, you started to mention a few things, but maybe we can put them in an order. What... What do you advise them to do and what would be the step one? Like, what would be the first thing you like to do? Yes, I think step one is very simple, assess. What, let's look at how, <laughs> how, what are we doing on the inside that aligns with those issues and whatever. So first of all, step one is what do we want, what do we want to, you know, to society issues that we care about and we're going to align that with our vision. Okay, so every company should have some clarity in terms of where do we want to go and what does it mean and how do we gonna, how we're going to achieve that. So first of all, decide, decide what society issues you're going to fight, what's going to be the battle that you choose. Yes? When you have that, second of all, assess what have we done and what are we doing internally to be able to align that society issues with who we are as a brand. So for example, I'll give you an example. So one of my clients is involved in, in a new product, which is around, you know, I can't say too much detail, but it's around water. So obviously mm -hmm. when you think about it, it's naturally environment. You're going to start talking about <laughs> something else. You might have, you know, you know, another underline of the issues that you may choose to have, but choose one to be that you make a priority. Is it equality? Is it, you know, environmental issues? Is it, um, you know, whatever plastic, whatever it is, decide and build that within your corporate social responsibility agenda. Because that's something that you need to not only look at it from, I think people think about their brand from an external point of view, but they don't look about their brand from an internal point of view, because that will also have an impact in terms of who do you choose to hire? Who do you choose to work with? Who are your partners that you choose to work with? Because it's so easy to lose yourself. I mean, that's it. Well, you say you're going to do that, but you look at your partner in China. What are they doing and how are they treating your customers, their, you know, their employees? And these, all these elements are important. So not just one part of it. So having some clarity in terms of what side is I want to have, I want to, I want to battle for. Then second of all, how does it align with our vision and how you know, all these elements of our brand DNA, if I can say that, does it, does it fit with it? And if it doesn't, then scrap, you know, skip some people and just say, like, I'm not going to work with these companies. It doesn't, doesn't fit who we are. Simple as this. I think we are, we are touching on probably one of the most difficult things that brands have to, have to do, companies have to do, which is to stop doing things. And yeah. I think it's one of the things that, you know, we, we as a society, as, as companies, as humans, we, we tend to try to do more, add, add, add to what we do. And it's incredibly difficult for us to remove things. And that's probably the first thing you're, you're, you're saying, really. Once you have your, your vision, your purpose, you don't use that as just a fucking, as a copyright slide that you just share with your employees. You use that as, as your focus, where if you do anything that is outside of it, then you need to scrap it or reassess it and do, do it differently, right? Is that what Correct. you mean? It's exactly that. Correct. And I think that's the problem with marketers. Marketers are need to be in, in a position where they say, you know what? No, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to say no, because you can pull in all directions and, okay, go and with everybody's talking about that. Go and talk about it. It's like, I'm sorry, that doesn't fit with our corporate social responsibility agenda. So I'm not going to choose to do that. I might do something internally or whatever it is, but that's it. This is not what we stand for. And we are strong on what we believe in. And that's it. So as marketers, 
you know, is, you know, is also our responsibility to say, no, <laughs> it doesn't work with what we want, we're supposed to say, and that's going to confuse our customers more than anything else. No? That's probably the most difficult word for marketers to say, right? No, yeah. it's, it's like from experience, it's just incredibly difficult because we don't want to close ourselves to many opportunities. But what if, you know, we say that and something happens and what if we do that? And no, just focus on, on this thing. So let's go back to step one, which I think is, we can talk about it briefly, but it's, it actually is so important because it gives you the direction for the rest. How do you come up with or refresh your vision and purpose, like where you want to be and how you're going to get there? so that it's operationalized, so that inside the company, you actually have, everyone is aware of it, everyone knows it, everyone uses it as a, as a compass. Mm, it's a very good question. I think it's, it's it, and I think <laughs> I've seen it so many times, people write a vision and they put it in the cupboard and you never hear about that. Nobody, and again, some part, and part of their recruitment, nobody knows what the vision, what they stand for. So it's a good question. So the best way to make sure that it's, it is actionable, again, same thing is how you implement it in your company culture. So, for example, I give you an example. I use my company as an example. So, I come from a background when I, came, when I moved into the to the UK. I didn't speak a word of English, and I had faced so many barriers. That I say that I'm going to give a chance to anybody who's driven. That's what I want to do. So, it doesn't matter if you're expert, experienced or not. I want to make sure that anybody who works for me has a chance. So, my team has become so diverse, and they always had a voice. So, therefore, that has become part of the company culture. But also, as a vision, we want to make sure that we help and support individuals who want to make a positive impact. So if I don't believe, if we don't believe in what you're trying to achieve, we're not going to work with you. Simple as that. Yes. So if you think about it, it's that you need to not only look at your vision, but look at how this vision can be extended for your actions. So what does it mean? You know, for example, you say, I want to make, I want to work with company, companies who want to make a positive impact. So what does it look like? What kind of company does it look like? So really articulate into a story that you can then share that when you recruit or when you choose to work with your, um, your suppliers so they understand exactly what you stand for and it can support you along that journey. And that's super important because what happens quite often is that people write a nice vision. So we want to be the number one company in the world who do this. Okay, so what does it, how does it mean in terms of your actions and your delivery. Because if you don't have that, it's just a beautiful dream that is never achieved. And then you end up just focusing on working with the wrong companies, having the wrong employees will become bad apple and damage your brand in the long term. So yes, so having that is, is super important. So how do you put this into action, what we say? And so that that's the, the, the key stakeholders and the CEO, the founders who have to take care of that. But um, so let's say we have a vision, we have some key actions, like do we, do we basically use the vision or the purpose as and repeat it every time we can? Do we how do we make sure it's embedded in people's heads? You know, this this direction, this compass. Like how do we make sure every employee who joins fucking remembers it, knows that every action that we must take as a company must be in line with it? Yeah, very good question. So the best way to do it is that when you you can start from the recruitment, so you can part, put this as part as well of you against the thing that someone's role and KPI. So how are you going to align, for example, let's take, for example, a salesperson, say our vision is to say, for example, in our case, is to make sure that we work with companies that make a positive impact. As my sales guy, he knows that, you know, we need to make sure whoever you're recruiting, whoever you're prospecting has to fit that same purpose. You believe in what they're trying to do and you want to work with that. So you don't choose to just bring on any client possible. Let's say, as you mentioned, Coca-Cola, would basically say, well, there's no point. You spend you know, six months prospecting and trying to have them as a client, but they don't fit with our purpose. 
So you can really embed that in as well in a role description and every single, how does it fit within your activities and your roles and duties? Therefore, you know that people are effectively aligning what you try to achieve. And you can do that for any single roles. And I think that people forget that they just have a standard generic, you know, role, you know, role and, you know, roles that they give out or put out there. If you look at our, uh, for example, um, a job description, it's fun. It's a story. So like when you come into our office, this is how it looks like. You don't have to come to visit every day, but you know, we, we're not focusing on your input, we're focusing on your output. So you, you choose your, you choose how you want to work. I really, I'm not here to micromanage you. I'm here to support you and, and tell me how I can support you be the best person you want to be. And that's the the tone. It's like, I want to work with this company. And I constantly get, you know, a number of people want to work. So it's the same way as a business to think about it for more than that, like what type of clients that you want to have as well. How does it look like? Create your own stories. You know, and it can be such a fun journey around it. So that makes a lot of sense from the hiring perspective. You start from the very, the very start. Now, the more difficult task is, let's say, you know, if you're listening to this episode right now, you have a, you were part of a company, the vision and purpose are already there, people inside are already there. How do you make sure that folks inside are aware of it and using, using it as a compass again? Yes. Very good question. So you can do it, there's different way you can do it. So depending on how big you are. So you can actually have, you know, those outside meetings with a company with a, a number of employees where, you, you know, you take them all lunch, you have this conversation where you can do the number of, you know, so every, so for example, the company I used to work for before starting my own business, so we would have, you know, director's meetings, then every director have to go and report their own, their own vision to their own team. So you can do that. And I think it's, the way people have always seen it is that the, it's a, the management is, a, you know, it's a management is one-way system. What I think management should be two-way system where you say, this is what we want to do and actually tell us how can we achieve that vision. So you invite your employees as well to be part of it. Say, this is what we thought we we're going to do and we want everybody to be part of that vision. So they take ownership of that vision. They say, okay, well, this is how I can make an impact. This is how I can make it achieve. Instead of saying, of telling them what to do, go and have this, this open conversation. It's, this is what I want to achieve and how can you support me in your own way? And that's how you get people. That's how you get generations. That's how you get baby boomers. That's how you get millennials to work together. <laughs> and I have fun every day to come to work. You know, my team is, they've never been late for work. I have to say like, can you please go home? <laughs> what are you doing here? And that's what I want to create an environment where you have fun. You get excited to come to work. You feel that you matter. And um, so there's two, way, there's two ways to think about it. I think from the employee's perspective, someone listening who might be part of a business that empowers them, I think that's much easier. Now, they could also be part of a business that doesn't, you know, that, that their manager doesn't really ask them for any input. It's, as you said, it's a one-way system. How, what do you advise those people? Like maybe, maybe, maybe they've tried, maybe they're sending the podcast episode to them and say, hey, we need to try yeah. that. But, you know, they get pushed back and it doesn't seem to change. How do you advise those employees well, like to... Take care of that. Do you know it's funny because I tell you actually a push that I had when I went to the first time I went to um to say, How on earth did you manage to work with the biggest brand around the world? They say I've always been super cheeky. <laughs> it's been my push. Because mom always told me, like, if you don't ask, you don't get. So don't go and say, Hey, I'm a marketing and I want to work with you. Say, hey, I think that there's something that is not working right now, and this is what I suggest we should do. And then you put, you know, you actually come with a solution rather than just demanding them to come with the the, the solution. It's your job if you believe in it to say, to insist and ask for it, but ask, you know, ask for it with a, with a solution as well. So now I always say that, come to me, don't come to me with problems, come with a solution. I always say that to my yeah. team, come to me with solutions. And if you, you know, if you come with a solution that they don't listen, then change job. <laughs> At that point, you know, if you work for another company, if it's not ready to change, you're probably not going to do anything. I knew you would say that. 
And that's the only <laughs> advice, right? You can't change. People can't change. And, and as you said, so don't come at it by just complaining and say, I don't like that. No, come at it with, you know, this is the problem I've seen. This is, those are proper solution. This one is, is easy, but it's actually quite expensive. This one is, you know, difficult to do. I could do it myself. I mean, I like that, the initiative side. Now, just reverting the question. I'm a manager, a director, a VP, a founder, and I feel a bit uncomfortable with what you said because you know what? Wow, do you mean actually giving freedom to employees actually to do stuff, to own stuff? I'm not 100% sure about it. What, what, should you, what would you tell me to you know, it's so funny. I just did an episode on my podcast this morning about a company specialized on feedback. And I say that the best way to give feedback doesn't have to be done verbally. It can be done anonymously. So this way, you know, people can, you know, um, can give and they can choose to, you know, to choose the best ideas. So if they don't feel, I think comfortable comes from, <laughs> I think friendship would tend, tend to be not comfortable, tend to be very comfortable to give direct feedback. But sometimes within English culture, it's not something that very common. So I say like, if you... <laughs> not comfortable taking direct feedback from your company, ask them to do it, you know, to do it anonymously. And then that way, you know, you release that pressure <laughs> of don't don't know how to react. And I always say, you know, you have to take feedback. I think whatever it is with your employees or your customers, it's important. That's the only way to improve. If you're not listening to people, you're going to wake up one day and, and realize nobody's nobody wants to work with me or nobody wants to buy from me. So you have to be open to that. And I always say, and I always ask my customers, like, what can we do better? What should we stop doing and what should we carry on? That way I know exactly where I need to stand and what I need to carry on. And at least I keep attracting the same great people I want to work with. So repeat those questions. What we could what could we do better? What should we stop doing? What should we start doing? What should we carry on doing? Stop, start, carry on. And that really helps you not only from a and again we have the same approach as well with uh, I, you know, from, you know, internally with, with my team, is that something like, what should we stop? Should we, should we carry on? What should we, you know, should, what should we start doing? And it works as well. So you can apply in so many ways, just not, not just, you know, customers or employees, but also your, you know, your suppliers. And this way you're always on point, you know, and innovation. And I always say to companies like innovation should be part of your culture. If you, you know, if you stay complacent and we've seen how, you know, COVID-19 has affected a lot of businesses. But if you, you know, if you're able to prepare yourself for the worst and for the best, you always have, you know, up to, you know, ready for the next best idea. And innovation should be part of your company culture if you want to stay relevant. Any, any, any companies who are not innovating regularly are probably missing out on big opportunities. So we have a vision, a purpose. It's been operationalized. Folks inside a company know it and, and know how to, to use those to like direct to get to get this to get stuff done, to say no to stuff. Now, if we go to specifically the you know assessing society issues or what should we go after, if any. I mean, I know it sounds a bit practical archaic and unemotional what I'm going to say, but should you list out issues, shit that is going on in the world and say, listen, this doesn't fit our purpose and vision. So let's forget about it. It's not that we don't care. It's that we can't give our attention to everything and, and, and make a change for everything. And sh so should we make a list? Is it as bad as that? Or simple yeah, you, as? You, you can make a list. You can make a list as well and look. So what you can do is like you, I think I love the idea of a list as well, but you can sort of look at what is what is, um, you know, the thing as well, <laughs> what is a priority right now, but not just uh, and a priority that will align with our vision in, in now, but also in three months, in six months, or five years, or 10 years, and then really figure out what really makes sense to us. If you think about, you know, the brands, you know, for example, some brands that I'm not going to name, you know, they wanted to, you know, to empower women to feel confident, you know, and they barely talk about their product. They talk about how, you know, you know, and, and give some, you know, tell some stories about, 
how women can feel comfortable in their skin. And I think this you know, the definition of of beauty, social media has killed, you know, I feel sorry for the younger generation right now because uh, they have so much, you know, you know, so much to deal with. And um, so it's good to see, you know, the companies who understand that it's important that looking at not, not only what is right now, but what how will it matter again in, in 10 years or 20 years down the line and it will still be relevant to it. You know, so yes, having a list is supply chain. Choosing, you know, choosing your, you know, your your main topics. So think think about it. Like a lot of tech companies, when I have the biggest issue is diversity of people. Because if you want to build really, you know, you know, global product, if you don't send how to speak to you, you know, to the you know black community, if you don't send to speak to the Hispanic community on earth, are you going to do that? You know, so really think about what does what really matters. How, you know, what really matters in your environment, in the environment that you work with, and how does it align with your own vision is super important. But yes, making a list does help because there's so much. Honestly, I can list out so many society issues. It's, the list is, is endless. And so we we let's say we we pick one. We pick one that fits our vision that is still going to be relevant in three months, six months, five years, fifty years. What do we do next? Do we you said assets, like do we do we basically make it open and say, hey, we can't talk about this, those other stuff. Like I know we care about it internally, but we must make a choice. If we want to make an impact in this particular cause, we must say no to that. Do you do you advise to do this? Like how do you advise to approach that once you've picked a cause? Yes. I think it's exactly that. You have to be you have to be drastically picky. It's like anything as a <laughs> always like to compare business and relationship. You know, if you pick a girl, pick a girl. Don't go and date, you know, and, and start, you know, talking to different girls in the same club. Otherwise, none of them are going to speak to speak with you. So the same thing. So when you've picked the society that really matters to your business, then decide what does it look like. And so break it down in terms of what does it look like in terms of our implementation. So what would be going to have a subject? So let's pick, for example, the LGBT um, you know, LGBT society, you know, LGBT, you know, um, society issues, or even as a level level of also trans, which is something else. So, so if we look at LGBT, so again, same thing is that how does it look in terms of you know recruitment of staff, but how does it look in terms of you know the you know the product that we create? So look at it as well, like product product creation. How does it look in terms of selecting our brand, you know, advocate or brand representative? How does it look into that? How does it look in terms of really all the aspects? If you really break it down, you can really see how you align with everything. But when, when you start picking too many, that's when the confusion occurs. Because you say, okay, now, okay, black matter is a big thing, so I'm going to talk about that now. It's like, who are you, really? You know, so stick to that. I think it's important. And that's when you, you know, you would not be caught up, as you say, on your bullshit. <laughs> and people say, yes, this brand is a brand I trust. This is a brand I'm going to be faithful. This brand, no matter what's happening in the situation, I'm always going to buy from them because they've showed, showed to me that not only they sell me a product that align with who I am, but also they've done furthermore in terms of, um, you know, their corporate social responsibility and supporting organization as well do this. Yes. And that's why it's important to really break it down in terms of how does it mean for every single part of our business, you know, from as a product development to communication, recruitment, visual, you know, pictures. People say to me, like, oh my gosh, I was sitting in this agency, network agency leaders, like, look at your website. <laughs> If everybody's looking one color, how do you, how can you attract people of different background? I think start from the inside first before going in, I will message externally. I think that's when you have fun with creativity, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, so I love that because it's about, you basically look at every aspect of your business, uh, the product, as you said, before the product, the hiring, the customer journey, your website, your emails. You basically, it, it sounds like a massive audit, 
of WhatsApp. Yeah. You know, you, you, you audit and list down. Those are all the things we do internally, externally facing. And we just look at every line item and say, hey, does it align with what we decided? Does it align with, with supporting LGBTQ, for example? When it's when we only have white dudes in their thirties with a beard on their on our website, <laughs> and we're supposed to, to 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 support diversity, what the fuck inside a product if it's not accessible to to like the visually impaired or to folks who who have uh, you know I'm gonna forget the word uh, but the color uh, like deltonium for example who can't see different colors. Mm-hmm. I mean. You start then looking at, oh shit, yeah, we've been saying that for years, but we haven't done anything about it, right? So how does it, so then let's say once once we have this list of stuff, once we have all the aspects of the business and we're looking into this, should we try to do something about every single one of them or should we try to prioritize based on, you know, obviously what we're able to do? Like, what's your advice on this? How to pick the right Split it. Everybody should be in charge of one thing. You know, you can't put, I mean, that's something like now that, you know, you think about it, it's like, okay, you're going to be in charge of LGBT, only you. Well, no, really, that's not how it works. <laughs> it's not my sister. It's like, oh, black lives matter. You black person, so go and tell us. Go and tell everybody <laughs> about it. Oh my gosh, I'm so annoyed with this. It's like, come on, does it make me, because I'm black, I mean, it makes me a black expert on, on, on black lives matter issue? No, that's not how it works. It's really much of, as I said, like you break it down in terms of who's going to be in charge in, you know, the HR, how you're going to apply that in marketing, how you're going to apply that in, you know, as I say, in, in, in the, you know, in web development, how are you going to apply that? It's really, and I think I wanted to say something because, you know, as you, as you talk about it, that's why people get it really wrong when it comes to, you know, it's like the way you treat Mother's Day or Valentine's Day is not the way you treat, obviously, society issues. That's probably why is why people get it wrong. You can play, that's why you can have a lot of fun with everything else, but don't mix up the two of them. So when it comes to the application, again, something like splitted, it doesn't, shouldn't be one person's responsibility. It's everybody's responsibility. It means that then, you know, and you can then, you know, together as a, as a collective, really figure out who has been slacking, who has been doing their job and who needs to be put back on and, you know, put back on, on track to, you know, to get what they're supposed to do, you know? And then you can review that. Again, it's a brand auditor. When you set your, you know, your impact, you know, goals from each single department, then you can reevaluate how to implement it, you know, in your marketing, on your, in your creative game as a marketer. Has, you can have so much fun if people would just, you know, be clear on how we do things instead of trying to tap on everything that is being said out there. So give me an example, because you've talked about impact APIs a few times, and I, I don't think we've gone in depth yeah. enough. So you said, so actually each department, if you have a big company, would have impact APIs and, and that would trickle down even to individuals, right? Potentially, yeah. like does it, when you assess every individual's performance, you should have a section that is about that particularly. How have you made progress towards this? Can you give me an example? We just talked about LGBTQ as, as, a, as a massive society issue yeah. at the minute. Let's say, let's say this is the cause we are fighting for. This is the change we are seeking to make in society. How does a impact API look like, for example, in, in for as a marketing department? What could it be, for example? Good question. So, for example, you look at you look at your customers. You, if you don't know your customers by now, that <laughs> you have a serious issue. You should know who your customers are and how you know you know something. You you can start really you know evaluating how many do we have more men? Do we have more with more you know um, people from with the sexual different sexual orientation? You can see who uses you know. If you know if you are a B two C company, 
then you can see who use your product. And the same thing as well from a B2B company, who are the brands that um, you know, are buying from you. Probably, diff- probably more difficult from a B2B to, to know exactly you know, that. But from a B2C angle, you can really start evaluating what kind of customers. Are we now treating more of this type of customers or we still have the same type of people? from a LGBT point of view. Again, starting from a LGBT point of view, you can also look at who are you using as your, your brand influencers? You know, your, you know, your brand influencers. Are people more from different backgrounds feel that like they can fit with your brand? Are you still attracting the same type of people? So the kind of element that you can use. How as well as a brand, you know, have you aligned, you know, for example, let's say from a marketing point of view, what kind of collaboration have you done? What kind of brands have you worked with that I pro, you know, that, you know, pro LGBT to really showcase that you are on the same path. And therefore, again, it helps you grow your own reach. You know, so if you say it's the case, how you, exactly like if you cannot bring innovation internally, do partnership. That's pretty much the reason. If you can't bring innovation internally, bring do partnership. And that's how you bring, you keep your customer engaged. That's how you keep, you know, doing something fresh and innovative. So there's different things. There's so many, I mean, there's so many of them that, you know, you, I can think of on top of my head right now. So say, look at your type of customers, what, how they were before, and what you have right now, look at people who actually talk about your brands. How do they look like? You know, are you being more involved in, in certain community than you were before? And again, something you look at as well, you know, the partnership that you've created, have you, you know, you've changed as well who you decide to work with. I've done that as well. So you don't want to alienate people and just be focused on one thing, but at least, you know, diversify your approach. So you have, you know, you have your short-term plan, you have your long-term plan. There's so many, I mean, you can play with it so much. I would have fun with so, it. Y- y- you mentioned partnership as kind of the key way when you don't know what to do anymore. Can you give me an example of that? What, what do you mean? <laughs> so partnership could be, you know, let's say, for example, in terms of partnerships, if I was um, if I was a beauty brand, okay, so I could, you know, partner with, uh, I could partner. With, so I look at who are my customers and what type of products do they, if I look at my customers, what do they buy for me? And therefore, what type of brands does not necessarily compete against me? but will have the same type of customer as me, yes? So it could be, you know, I was trying to think about from a LGBT point of view, so you can say you might have a, a brand that is, um, you know, f- also have the same the same agenda as you. So you've seen as well in the, in the articulation of their message, they have the same agenda as you. So like, we are on the same path, so let's work together. You know, it could be that. Again, it can be, as I mentioned, it can be as well, you know, um, you know, who do we choose? And again, I, I mentioned, you know, influencers, not just uh, social influencers. Influencers can be at any level. It could be any, you know, if you think about brands, I'm trying to think about top of my head right now, you know, from influencers, can be any influencers from influencers from the years. Will we also going to running organization who are trying to really fight that battle? Could be that as well. So it doesn't have to be just those people on social on TikTok or <laughs> or Instagram. It can be people actually who are actively, you know, activists out there. So you can just do that as well. So really depending, I'm really thinking on top of my head right now, but there's so many ways you can approach which this is where the 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 the, the lazy creative needs to wake up and really play around because there's so many avenues, especially for LGBT. I remember the first time I walked into my uh, I went into Pride and I literally was look at the parade and I'm thinking this is just a commercial agenda. So none of them actually really care. And I felt, I felt really so it's like, hmm, I think that's how people do it. But do we actually do more than that? You know, it's great to be on this parade, parade, but are you doing more after this parade? So here is a controversial question. Let's say I'm listening to this podcast and I believe in what you're saying, mm-hmm. but I have to generate money, let's say, right? Like that's, I'm under pressure. My company is under pressure. We need to fucking generate revenue. This is part of our target. You're telling me that I need to part- I need to partner up and I need to do stuff about a specific cause, but it's not going to generate money for me directly, or at least I'm going to be I'm going to have a tough time to prove 
that it's not going to make uh, money. It's it that is making money. What do you say to what do you, what do you tell me? <laughs> I tell you that I tell you that anything to do with society is is never about money. It's about your brand. And again, something like you should have more than one campaign. You know, like you know, as, as I explained, you can have you know you can have a Mother's Day campaign, you can have a Valentine's Day campaign, whatever you choose to do. You shouldn't have just one campaign, but you should choose actually one campaign which is around impact, which is not around money directly. So whatever you're doing right now, as I explained to you, like people, the brands that you love, that we love, are the brands that do, do more than we expect from them. They actually go beyond and further. So it means that whatever you're doing with your brand is not is not measured right away, straight away by you know the impact on the number of sales. It's measured by the brand exposure, brand awareness, which in the long run means that you have built brand loyalty. So that's super important. I think they get it so wrong that, oh my gosh, if we have this, it's like, don't compare the same way. You can have an impact-focused campaign, which is, uh, we're doing this because we need to do this. This is how, as a company, we need to be involved with that. But we know that in the long run, that's that's for the benefit of all. You know, that's the benefit of all. And it will pay off. You might not see, you might not see the, the impact straight away, but in the long run, it will pay off. Than if you cannot measure right now, and that's why it's important that you have, you should have not just, you know, you should have different campaign. One campaign focus on impact, one focus on let's make money. You know, at the end of the year, marketer, and another, you know, another campaign focus on the, you know, living National Burgers Day, whatever you should be doing. So many of this National Day, I get so confused. But that's important that they get it. You know, people get it wrong. Like I can't measure that. It's okay. You have to measure in terms of how do how does it impact on people and let it let it flow in the long run. It will it will pay off. Is there anything I forgot to ask you on this topic that you really want to to share specifically? I think I think we kind of covered it all. I think the, really what I want people to understand that you know it's so easy to just you know follow as marketers. We have to be strong and say no. And I think we have to call out as well our clients and say don't do this. <laughs> I do this, you know, because they trust me, you know, the attitude with our peers, whatever it is internally, is that they should treat us as equal and they should trust our expertise in terms of we're going to stand for that and we're not going to do anything else. And I think it's Sebastian, you know, choosing a battle and not doing anything else. And the more we, you know, we, we call, you know, our clients or our team members on the, you know, as you say, on their bullshit, the more they will start believing in us. And I think that it's important to stand up and say, you know, I know we're not going to do that. I'm sorry, because it doesn't fit with. And I think having that corporate social responsibility put in, into plans to go back to what we agreed, why are we shifting away? You can use that as your armor, say like, this is what we say we're going to do. So we're not stepping away and doing something else. I'm sorry. Simple. And if you really want me to achieve what you want me to achieve as a marketer, I'm going to stick to that. I love that message because it, 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 It works for everything in marketing and in life in general. Focus on on a few things and do them very well and say no to the rest. And you're going to be much better off than someone trying to say yes to everything. Before I let you go, thanking you, by the way, for all of those details and super practical tips on a topic that is quite you know, difficult to handle, uh, yeah. very, very important for all of us, whether we're marketers and just as humans as well. So the first one being, what do you think marketers should learn today that will help them in the next two, five, 10, 50 years? They should learn about psychology and they should definitely learn about technology, both of them. I'm in both, I'm involved in both, and that is definitely making an impact. I, and it's funny, I did a talk ages ago and I talk about marketing DNA. I was like, what the hell is marketing DNA? And I tell you something, like you think about people say, Oh my gosh, have you ever heard that? You know, remark that you remind me of your father. <laughs> you remind me of your mother. We've all heard this somewhere, somehow. 
we always feel that we are in control of ourselves, but most of the time, you know, everything that we do is somehow, you know, it's part of our DNA. And the more we understand, you know, the psychology of consumer behavior, the more you better to understand how to be better marketer. So marketing DNA is something that freaked me out, but at the same time, I think it would be very fascinating, especially if technology is, is combined with technology. So yes, I would definitely think that marketing should be more more curious around psychology and also technology because there's some amazing people doing some great things in technology right now. Maybe you can name a few people. <laughs> I don't want to put you on the spot. I, I just... <laughs> But she listen to my podcast. <laughs> so your podcast is again, rem remind us. Tech Brains Talk. Tech Brains Talk. It's available on Spotify. It's available on iTunes. And it's going to be available soon on Audible, Amazon. Yes, so that's coming up very soon. Uh, uh, you got the same email. <laughs> we got the same email. <laughs> we got the same email. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Amazon are launching their stuff, their, their podcast service through Audible, and they told us not to say anything, right? I mean, yes. that's part of the email. Don't want to not share it. Like, <laughs> the fuck? Anyway, so thanks for fucking saying that to everyone before before you're supposed to. Amazon's going to send you another email. So aside from your podcast uh, that I urge everyone to listen to, like the intersection of, of, as you said, psychology and technology, really interesting stuff, what would be the top three resources you'd recommend? people today could be anything from books to podcasts to conferences to people yes. i would you know as first thing i would say i would say it's, you know i would say cultivate an attitude that i have which is my mantra is get comfortable getting uncomfortable i've always been you know able to think outside the box because i've always put myself in a situation that i was not accustomed to so i would say go and speak to people that don't look like you and do and and listen to conversations so i've loved for example i love blinkist because i don't always have to listen to, to to read read books but i love to listen to i love to listen to blinkist and i did a, that series called um state of mind and it was about this girl who was um who wanted to change who changed the world of porno you know you think about Pornhub, which is disgusting then she made something cool it's amazing i learned so much like about porn? yes yes it was amazing She's two years ago, it's it's on the podcast. If you search for her name, Cindy Gallup, she's, she, yeah. she was on the podcast two years it's, ago. It's fantastic. So, yes, so I'm glad. So you get the best on your podcast. So I'm glad to hear that. Exactly. <laughs> to you and her, like that's it. So you don't, don't be doing anybody else. And um, you know, yeah, I would say first, first, always challenge yourself to think differently. Like challenge what people say. And I say challenge, challenge, challenge. You know, your mindset and be curious. And I think I, I loved your podcast as well before we even did that. So so I'm, I'm pleased. I'm on it as well. Anything I would say I like as well from a marketing point from whatever you run an agency i would say or, or just new to market marketing i love i love as well another podcast called two bobs from um, blair ends mm -hmm. blair ends and david c baker they crack me up they're funny also talk to him yeah. david c baker was on the podcast <laughs> so we have the same people which is brilliant small world fucking yeah small world small world and then what i like i like reading uh, the hidden agenda from uh, kevin allen i think it was very fascinating about the world of advertising which has evolved uh, a bit more Still need to, just need to change, but there's a lot of things that um, that was interesting in terms of, you know, understanding the agenda of every single person in the room that you're talking to. You know, this is this is so important. There's always different players when you get out that change the game. So I, I recommend that. So cultivate cultivate a curious mind that really helps you to always, you know, um, you know, get excited and, and love and be happy in your life. And yes, and listen to those podcasts. It's really good. Flavi, you've been a pleasure. I learned a lot from you. I, I genuinely mean it because this is a topic I'm, I'm quite weak on. And yeah, I've, I've learned a lot. So thank you for sharing so many resources. Let's say someone wants to get in touch with you. How do they do that? Oh my gosh, it's so easy. You can literally just type Flavella and Google will tell you the rest. <laughs> so I would say I have to be careful about my reputation because I'm easy to be found. But yeah, so you can find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, YouTube. <laughs> I am not on TikTok, so do not look for me on TikTok. 
But yeah, so I'm very active on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram, where I probably speak my mind a lot. So if you um, if you um, yeah, check out freecolorswood.com, which is my company. So freecolorswood.com, which is available, you know, um, at dokodojiken.com as well. And yes, yeah, so check me out. I have a lot of fun. I'm I'm crazy. I'm I'm fun. People love that. If you have a if you want somebody to motivate you, I'm the one. Yeah, it sounds like it. Once again, thank you so much. My pleasure. That's it for another episode of everyonehatesmarketers.com. Thank you so much for listening. I'm super, super grateful. I'd love for you to consider subscribing to my daily newsletter, Monday to Friday, called Stand the Fuck Out Daily. I send very short, hopefully interesting, surprising, shocking, entertaining content to help you stand the fuck out. It's at everyonehatesmarketers.com. You can subscribe for free and obviously unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm just going to read a couple of emails that I got recently as a reply. Juma said, your content attacks the mind primarily, which is such a good thing because most of us are skilled at what we do, but we don't have the courage to do it our way. Mark, who just subscribed a couple days before, said, this is my first issue of your newsletter. Love it. Glad I subscribed. Brianna said, I just realized this morning that my email habit is now to one, skim through the list, two, select all unread industry email except yours, three, delete and don't think twice, four, quickly skim yours. Amy said, also loving the new content that's coming from you. It feels really lovely. Candle said, I like your writing a lot. It really resonates. There's so much bullshit out there. It's good to touch the authentic. And Chloe said, where is the I fucking love this email button? Brilliant. I hope you subscribe. You'll be joining more than 14,000 subscribers at this stage, which is crazy. It's the size of a small stadium. Anyway, thank you so much. See you on the other side.